0: Oh. Okay, so I have to tell you, Bill was talking to me yesterday, and he said, I, you know, it would be really helpful if you would talk really slowly, if you could just slow down a little bit. And I said, okay. Amen, Amen I, to that. Well, all right, it gets better. And so, um, Richard, I know they, that the Whittiers go to bed early and get up early. Richard, one of his final comments last night was, please slow down. And so, right. I want you to know that... In, in the middle of all of this, I mean, uh, the, the, the strangest thing is that last week I, I got pneumonia. Now, then, I was tested twice for COVID, but I have pneumonia. But it's all—it's all better. I'm fine, except for that. I'm on steroids and an in inhaler, and I'm in so jacked so that I can just do I can just... It's like right. oh this. "I'm gonna work on that slow thing for you, okay?" <laughs> I texted Richard back. You know, I'm so nice I said, Whoa. Oh, my gosh, I'd never thought of that. Slow down. What a great idea. Let's pray for a minute, okay? Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit now to be with us, to um, illumine our hearts and enliven our minds, to help us to see and to understand. Gracious God, still and calm my heart and my, my, my mind, that my voice might echo your thoughts. That might be a tool for your usage and for your glory. Grant our time together today to be one of joy and laughter, one of learning and new birth. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I am going to try to calm down. I mean, I'm going to try to be quiet. I was driving over here thinking, (laughs) okay. I'm not nervous. I'm just like, give me some more of that, that inhaler thing, you know. Okay, but anyway. Um, anyway, I admit to you that I, I worked on the lesson and worked on the lesson and thought about the lesson and um, thought about the four classes in a row and prayed about it all and looked at all my notes and all that. And I, you know, I could talk for hours, and I, and and you know, I don't know if I would say anything at all. All right. How much time do we have here? How long am I supposed to talk? Today. Okay. Today. Oh, I got your hands down. That's not a problem. <laughs> so anyway, um, I was going to say, um, anyway, I um, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, like I look at the world around us and I read things and I see things and I feel like I'm living in a twilight zone of some sort. It's like we have lost our minds i mean there's you hear stuff and you read, sometimes i read some of the stuff that people say and i think you know do you have any idea how stupid you sound and you know how how illogical that is do you have there's no rationality to your thought at all and um you know and then i think that's not very christ-like and um we're, there's a time of great contention have you y'all ever read stuff like I read articles online all the time I don't take any newspapers I don't know if they make newspapers anymore I don't take any but um I read stuff all the time and the comments Lord have mercy you know we can be so um ugly to one another it's really astonishing and and I see that a lot in the comments and the things that people will say and I often have this urge to write down there and go do you realize what you just said? Because not only is it unintelligent, it's mean, okay? And um, um, that is a that is a disconcerting thing. And always, at all times, I always wonder, where are the Christians and what do you think? And there's one, there's one website that I go to ever so often, and it is, and, it, and there are a lot of Christians on there, and I want to say, I don't think you should speak. You need to stop saying that, okay? That's not good. Don't say that anymore. And so I guess what I would say what we're going to talk about the next four weeks i'm not going to guess i will tell you what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is what it means to be created by god okay and what it means to see the world with the mind of christ and that's what we're talking about today the mind of christ and the question is i mean you know we can talk about growing disciples all day long but if we do not know how christ thinks if we do not know What he, you know, what his view is, if we cannot understand um, the gospel through the lens of the crucified Savior, the resurrected Lord, then we don't know what we're talking about. It doesn't matter how much you use Jesus' name. If you don't know what you're talking about, then you are profaning his name. That's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. It's not a cuss word. It's misusing the name of Jesus is what it is. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. And we do that a lot. We say all I'm not talking about this class specifically, you know, but I'm saying when I read Christians' comments and the things that they say and don't I go, I, you know, that's not like Jesus at all. Okay, I'll tell you a story. True. This week I had a meeting to go to. Okay. So I went to this meeting and I um I didn't have to go, but I was, I went anyway. Okay. And so the hallway there. I prayed, Lord, please let me be nice because I was irritated about stuff that was going on. Please, Lord, let me be nice. So I went to this meeting and it was standing room only. Everybody was upset and, and I spoke. And then all the way home, I repented and said, Lord, forgive me for not being nice the whole episode. But man, I said what I thought. And my friend said to me, another pastor said, he said, yeah, you know, that's that tongue you have. You can shred people with it. just slice them and them. That's not really a claim to fame. That was not like Jesus at all. And so I walked away and thought that that's not like Jesus at all. So what I want us to think about, I printed out the, instead of looking through the scriptures all the time, I printed out the scriptures I want to talk about. Um, am I talking slowly enough? Yeah. Good. Good. I don't know. Let's we'll see how this goes. Do what? We'll put a bedroom on. Oh no! That just made me, made me crazy. That seems like a really bad idea. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, I I don't really want a stool. I don't want to sit down. I'm like really hyper. It would be really better for me not to sit down. I I need to hang on right here. I don't I don't I know. Thank you. I'm sure I'd be more stable, but I, I'm, you know, I like to tell people I'm just a dizzy blonde. So the verse that I'm going to use just for today, our, our primary verse, our primary passage is this one. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, we have the mind of Christ. All right, and the reason I think that's so important is that the church has got to, um, it, it, we live in a world that is openly antagonistic toward Christianity. It's not even just slightly, it is openly antagonistic toward Christianity. Moreover, it sort of, and, and again, if I read some of those comments online, I look at that and think, well, I'm kind of antagonistic toward that myself. And more than once in my life, I have thought if I had to believe what that person believes, I could not be Christian. Okay. And it'd be like somebody in my pew. All right. And they'd be talking to me thinking, if I had to believe that, I don't think I could be Christian. All right. Because a lot of what we believe is an amalgam. All right. Of, what I want to say Christianity, what we're in the Bible what we hear in the culture, all right, and what we think personally, all right, we just kind of build all these things together, and that's what we hold as Christianity, but Christianity is a series of events in history, okay, that define who and what God is, and therefore who and what we are, all right, so we want to hold fast to the gospel as we receive it, because otherwise we're going to stray into a place where we are not not faithful, but we're but we're confused. We don't know right from wrong, and the world needs the witness of Christianity now more than ever. I mean, it really does. It's uh, we're in a strange time in our situation now. You know, over the next three weeks, what I'm going to cover today, I want to talk about what it means to be created. All right, that we are created, and then um, in each of the three weeks that follow, so you'll know whether you want to come or not. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about. genesis 3 all right the fall we think of that as the fall we have the fall but genesis 3 is the break between humanity and god okay genesis 6 through 8 is the flood right and it's the break between humanity and creation human beings and creation and then you have the tower of babel in genesis 9 and that one is the break between human beings and other human beings. You've now broken the fellowship between human beings. So in the first, we always talk about the first 11 chapters of Genesis as myth, you know? And I'm not prepared to grant that at all. I'm not prepared to grant that the world is only 7,000 years old or 10,000 years old or however you wanna count it. But I mean, I am prepared to say that that is not a myth, that these tell us vitally important things about who we are and that you cannot understand the salvation of Jesus Christ apart from the first 11 chapters of the scriptures. You cannot understand the New Testament. You cannot understand what Jesus is doing. You cannot understand the cross or the resurrection or Pentecost apart from those 11 chapters. Now, how many of y'all spend a lot of time reading those 11 chapters? I know, see, they're nobody's favorite except for Richard. And he's kind of a nerd, you know? (laughs) I know, and I'm nerdier, just for the record. That's why I have to be funny because I'm such a total nerd. Thanks. So those are what we're going to talk about, right? I want to talk about the importance of what it means to be created today. Right? How often do you think about your ter- yourself in terms of created, okay, that you are created? And a, a, a friend asked me, I don't know, a while back, it's been a long time, I don't remember, in the last couple of years, said to me, do you ever wish you were somebody else? And I was like, what? And, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever wish that you were somebody else? And I'm like, no, why would you do that? And, um, and, and so then she said to me, she goes, you never wish you were somebody else? Not, I said, well, not since I was like six and wanted to be Cinderella. I mean, no. And um, I don't think so. And then, um, so as we talked, I said, well, no, you understand. I, she goes, so you're, you, you like who you are? And I was like, oh, no, not at all. And, and she said, well, what do you want? And I said, I would like to be the person God created. Okay. And I'm not. If you don't believe me, you should have been in a meeting the other night. Okay. Because I was not the person God created. I can tell you I was somebody awful. All right. But I would like to be fully me, the one that God envisioned in the womb. All right. The one that he intended when he formed me and shaped me before I was ever born. Okay. And Jeremiah tells us that. I mean, Psalms say that over and over again. The scriptures tell us, formed you in the womb. I knew you. All right. I want to be that person, but I'm plagued by sin. And I mean, just like a ton of it. It's really, there's a lot, okay? I don't want to be somebody else. I want to be less sinful and more alive me. And I think that is what it means to be created. That's your very first thing. Whatever you are, whoever you are, God's intentions for you are dramatically different from what you live every day, okay? And so when you look at the world around us, I just think it's unbelievably tragic. When we look at the world around us, people are in desperate search for identity. How many of y'all noticed that? I, my identity is, and then they have to create one. And, and we've lost all of our sense of humor. We have no sense of humor about it at all, okay? And, um, and why is that? Because everything matters intensely, okay, about your identity. If you have created your own identity and you have put all this effort into it, nobody can question that. Okay? And so when you think, oh, there's no sense of humor, these people are so um, adamant, these people are so, it's because they have created themselves and they cannot afford to be wrong. Okay? Now then the burden of self-creation is enormous. If the whole meaning of your life is what you can dream up, okay, and what you can put together, I want you to realize the weight of that, okay? the The demand on the human life that's required by creating all your own meaning and all your own purpose, and then you die in nothing. That's our world today. That's the that's the culture in which we live, right? And so when people talk about their identity, you can never, as a Christian, say, "Oh, well, my identity did it, did it, and make that up." Your identity is given by God. Now then you are somebody different from who you're supposed to be. And that's a whole different conversation. And we're gonna get to that. That's the problem of sin, all right? But your identity is pre-established. I do not have to determine the worth or value of my life for the Lord has already done so. That's an important thing for you to remember. You don't get to determine how much you're worth or what your value is or how good you are or how great your works have been. That's not your choice for you cannot see the whole picture. Think of the desperation in our society, the desperation that people feel to connect to one another, to to find meaning and find purpose, to belong someplace. I belong here. I belong there. You, Christian, need to belong in the arms of God. And when you do that, then you are prepared to face a world that's completely lost. But you first have to find yourself in the heart of God. Right. So what I'm saying is I want us to see that Christianity believes these things to be true. And we live in a world that surrounds us with all these other ideas. And we need to be able to stand firm because you know what? When you stop and you make your identity all about yourself and you and you have everything that everything in your life, you have to predetermine and figure out for yourself. When it collapses, you want to look up and go, look, there's a light shining on that hill and I'm in darkness. I want to go find that. And that is what the church needs to be today. And I am not going to get into the church, the, the, the division in the church. You have pastors. You want to know what I think about it? You call me sometime, but I'm not getting into it here. But I will tell you that we live in a world that is extremely divided. All right. How can you not know that as we sit in a church going, we should do this or this or this or this. If the church is divided. Okay. we're divided over ideas, we're divided over beliefs, we're divided over convictions, we're divided over priorities, we're divided over destiny, all right? So it is never more important for the church to reclaim the gospel fully. Never. Because we have floated along with contemporary Christianity for eons. I mean, you know, (laughs) Christianity... So what was I talking about? Okay, so, um, but I mean, we have floated along as Americans and we've had civil religion, okay? And I gotta tell you, I don't think it's a bad idea to lose civil religion. I started in a lot of churches, you know, I, I said um, a minute ago that I knew some people I thought if I had to be Christian like her, there was really one lady, I thought, honest to goodness, she's, I believe, evil. And uh, she was she was a chair of staff parish. Y'all be real careful about that, okay? So anyway, I'm like, she was horrible, Okay. And, up uh, and then there was another lady that was very um, sanctimonious in a different church well I'm the dog and I can remember thinking you're why people don't come to the church be quiet okay I need you not to say anything else so I took her off all the committees and I made her like she complained to everybody about me and hated me so anyway but I, you know I thought do not anyway never mind the church has gone long as Part of the culture from its very from the from the very beginning of the United States prior to that from the colonies why did the why did the pilgrims come here and I'm not talking about revisionist history what do the documents say what did what did William um what's his name Bradfield what's his name Brad Bradford Bradford anyway what did he say in the providence of God did he not anybody read that document it's his letter he talks about you know the Mayflower Compact blah 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 and that was in the 17th century long before you know so he came over here, they came over here for what? Freedom of religion. So people who say that America, America and Christianity are not connected are completely um, mistaken. Now, whether they should be or not is a, is a legitimate question, but you cannot historically say they were not, all right? And um, so anyway, um, when we, you know, I don't know that it's a bad thing for us to separate from the culture and say we're not, we're not that, because then we have to choose we're going to be Christ's or we have to go back into the culture. And I think that's the most important thing for us to understand is that you have to make a decision in your life about whether or not you're going to be holy Christian or holy culture. Christianity is not a smorgasbord, okay? You don't get to pick and choose what it is you want off of it. It is instead, it is instead a, um, it is the entire account of reality from God's perspective from beginning to end, from God's point of view, not yours. And our task as Christians is to enter into his reality and to explore it fully. And for all of eternity, you will try to explore God and you will not reach the limits of God himself, ever. You won't, because he is infinite, he is eternal. When you die, you will have only just Begun. You're not going to sit on a cloud someplace and play with angels' wings. You'll only have just begun to explore God. You'll only just begun to see Him more clearly. All right. So you want to be able to. You have to say I'm going to invest in that, or I'm going to invest in this. All right. So far, am I making sense? No. So far, am I slow enough? Yes. Okay. I do try. <laughs> you know, the nation needs Christianity, and when I think like, but I think the Christians need Christianity as well. It's a good thing to break off from the culture. All right. I think the Christians need Christianity as much as the culture does around us. You know, you need to be able to learn to sit with the Lord every day so that you're still and in his presence and know yourself to be touching eternity when you do you like need to enter in that which is beyond this world raised above the holy spirit permeates our world the presence of god is everywhere but it is so tarnished and covered with so much muck you want to be still and approach him when you worship you want to go to the throne of god and worship because if you do not touch eternity you only have the temporal to offer the temporal but you can live in the temporal world with eternity if you have spent time with God every morning or every evening, I don't care when you sit still and quiet, but sit still in his presence every day so that you are imbued with this, the presence of God. you know, say perfect love casts out fear. I think it does. What do you got to be afraid of? You've been in the presence of God. What is there to be afraid of? You know, it allows us to touch and to see and to taste that which is more real, that which is eternal, not that which is dying. All right. And so Christians need to recover that I'm not talking about. I mean, and I think I believe in ecstatic religious experiences. I do. I believe in those. I believe that I'm not given to that because I'm not an ecstatic kind of gal. All right. But I believe that those are real experiences that people have. But the, but to me, you want the day in and day out mundane fellowship with God that is anything but mundane, but is life giving. You know, I don't want I don't want like moments of great fireworks I want a slow steady burn that never goes out if there's some fireworks thrown in here and yon that's a good idea but otherwise I'm content with the slow steady burn of the the spirit within me And, and that's good so that I can be with Christ at all times so I'm not ever afraid so I never have to depend totally on my wisdom so that I never have to have sufficient words or sufficient sufficient knowledge or or sufficient like compassion or understanding so when I fail God still redeems and makes that and uses that for something good. Still. And you want to live every day that way. The measure of your life is not your problem. You don't have to worry about that. The measure of your life is God's problem. You can't even begin to see what success looks like to him for you. Okay? So you get to live faithfully every day and go, here we go. (laughs) It's another day. Let's go, Lord. All right? I don't want to be cavalier because life is difficult, is it not? Yeah, I'm going to talk about this a little more next week when I talk about Genesis 3 and the nature of death. But I want you to know, the last year, I've had more death than I can say grace over, and I am underwhelmed by that, okay? I'm like, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in my 60s now. I'm going, it doesn't get better from here. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more death in the future. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about mine. I'm talking about people around me. I'm looking at my parents going, good Lord, they are old. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> they're older than you, I swear, they are, they're older than you, but they're not older than everybody in this room, so I'm not going to say anything, okay, but, Lord <laughs> mercy. My mother, they came by the other day, and I can't believe my daddy drives in Houston, but he does all the time. All the time. So anyway, they came by the other day and my mother's on a little cane and he said, she's not walking very good because he can't hear, all right? <laughs> she's not walking very good. That was his whisper. And I was like, she heard you. And he goes, no, nah, she can't hear either. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, my sister and I were talking about that my dad's not gonna die until like I find some, he finds some man to take care of me. You know, <laughs> 147 walking around going, what happened to someone, what happened? I need to find a man so I can die. You know, that that. that's the world I was raised in y'all right there. So anyway. <laughs> You know, in our world, when we are, the world we live in is so eager to throw away. the. God. I am very blessed to have been raised by the parents I was raised by. They are not perfect people. And my dad was a royal temper. Okay, there's not a word I can use in church for what he could be, okay? His temper was impressive, all right? But he prayed every day. And eventually his temper waned, okay? And um, anyway, My mother's a southern belle, and she looks at me all the time, and she's like, I don't know how I gave birth to you. (laughs) Her house is immaculate and perfect. Everything's decorated, you know, looks perfect all the time. Her yard, well, she doesn't. She lives in an apartment now, but, you know, her yard was always perfect all for flowers. She's looking at me going, you're not wearing makeup. No, no. (laughs) She had a stroke. She can't write. She put on makeup perfectly, okay, with her left hand. (laughs) priorities y'all keep your priorities straight she is a lady all the time she's just looking at me going i don't know how i got you so anyway the other day i was with my parents and my dad came up at the end of the, our time together with my sister and I, brother-in-law and i have been there my dad like never goes i'm so sorry that you're that you have so much of me in you <laughs> there you go Yeah, he's okay. dead We live in a world... So I want to make sure that y'all understand I really do appreciate my parents. They're, they're difficult, but I do appreciate them. Even as, as old as they are, I think I'm very blessed. Anyway, um, we live in a world that, that denigrates and denies Christianity, mocks it. Has you know, I think that people would be perfectly content to... Um, rid of christianity entirely they would like to see that happen i think there is a whole a whole bunch of people in our society today that would like to rid the world rid america of of christianity entirely and have no voice whatsoever in in america and i think that you first of all need to learn as a christian what it what christ has brought to our world that people never know at all okay i mean like from the time of christ forward the entirety of the human race circumstances of the entire the entirety of the human race have improved dramatically and i'm not talking about physically i'm talking about the way we view one another okay the value of a human being right the human beings have worth and value that is something that spread forth from the from the cross from the message of jesus christ across the world where he's not even acknowledged all right. When we talk about human rights, you know, talk about human rights abuses in China or human rights abuses in, in Saudi Arabia, I don't know, wherever. Okay. The human rights, you know, where that comes from that is originally a Christian idea because human beings matter, they are not disposable. Okay. The value of women this is the one that makes me crazy. Women talk about Christianity being oppressive. I want to go, you have no idea what they will do to women without the gospel. If Jesus is not standing between you and a man, you have no idea what they will do to you. But instead, what we have done is one, oh hi, I'll just do it to myself and just destroy my, my womanhood. Okay, I just give up all my womanhood because I don't need Jesus and I don't need anything because I get to decide who and what I'm going to do. And it's only going to get worse. And so you need to learn and realize The difference that Jesus made when he came in the world and when he said he didn't save a bunch of people in Kingwood 2000 years later, he saved the entire world. And that salvation began at the cross and it was enacted at the resurrection and it is made full in the Holy Spirit that moves across the world today. You must believe these things and understand their implications if you hope to have any, any bearing or any influence on the people around you. You know, and you have to live that because you're not going to win by an argument. You're going to win by what, it, what, what my friend, my mentor, Billy Abraham said, he called it conspicuous sanctity because you are holy like Jesus is holy. You are virtuous like Jesus is virtuous, that the light of Christ shines in you, not because you have a better argument. And I got to tell you, I'd much prefer to argue than be nice. <laughs> it is way easier to win an argument than it is to love. Well, it is, you know. I mean, I think we ought to know our strengths, and I think I think that is sinful beyond belief. It does not do you any good to be right if you have not loved. Doesn't matter you know, if you have not loved. Then you're just kind of a what is that? A noisy gong banging symbol? Yeah, I just got my name all over that, that verse. It says, "See Elizabeth." <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, I want to say where I left that there is pervasive good in the world today that did not exist prior to Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, And I think that we need to be aware of that. And we need to know that and explore that because there are many things that we take for some for good. How many y'all think we should take care of the poor? We were just listening to the, okay, we're inside the church. Okay. Why are we a welfare state? Why do we have welfare? why is it not because we're supposed to care for the poor okay now I want to point out to you that Jesus said you feed the hungry he did not say hey you go have the government feed the hungry okay I'm not opposed to welfare but I am saying that that whole idea was originally Christian the notion that you can eradicate Christianity and maintain humanistic values is completely false humanism is an idol that says we can be as good as Christians and be Christian without God, and without Christ, that's what humanism is, and it is false, it is idolatry, okay, and people use that all the time, because they can't say, we should be Christian, I love Victor Davis Hanson, I listen to him a lot, I listen to his podcast, because he's smart, and because he says what he thinks, he's like, I'm nearly 70, I don't care anymore, I'm just gonna say it like it is, and um, he's not, he's, not um, he's a military scholar, he's a, and, and I, I love this part, he's a, a, a classicist, so he knows all about ancient Rome and Greece and all about all that kind of stuff like that. And he knows all these languages and I think he's very interesting. But he talks about having humanism, you know, about being humanistic, humanistic values. And like, I'm, I'm gonna write him one day and say, you need you to stop saying that because humanism is a deadly, deadly ideology, okay? When you pull it away from God, humanism becomes very cruel. You can, fo- fake, fo- you can focus on human, humanity and not worry about human beings at all in humanism, okay? I will tell you that I think that Christianity makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. People mock it all the time and I know why they mock it. They do not come up with their weird ideas out of the middle of nowhere, okay? They, they come up with their weird ideas because some Christians said. It, okay? They've heard that someplace. And, um, and so people have just enough knowledge of Christianity to disrespect it and to think that it is stupid to believe. I was reading some, it was, it was after Roe v. Wade was overturned, and this, I was reading an article and an essay, and the, the comments were amazing. Um, wow. But anyway, and this one guy said something about, we need to get rid of all those Christians in those rural areas, all those Bible thumpers in the rural areas. I thought, "Mm, honey, you ain't been to Texas. Um, But anyway, um, he said, he said, and he said, you know, they've got, they're shooting the middle, the middle finger of Christianity, something another. And I'm like, what on earth is he talking about? Well, if you search that, it'll tell you Indiana is. Who knew Indiana was like the middle finger of Christianity? I didn't know that. But anyway, uh, that was very interesting that he would accuse us of that. All right, that 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 is all those Christians trying to impose what they believe on everybody else. And I'm, I'm not going into the discussion on whether Roe Wade is right or not. And I don't want to have no, we're not having that right there. I want to say you have to figure out what it is you believe and what does the gospel say. Okay, now if you follow me, you know I have a very clear opinion about all that. But anyway. You know, everywhere, everywhere we look around, there's this widespread belief that there is no truth. You get to create your own truth. That is so illogical that, like, you know, only postmodern people could believe that. How many of y'all know what postmodernity is? Anybody understand postmodernity? Modernity was all about rationality. Postmodernity, postmodernity means we're not going with rationality. We're going with how we feel. Modernity, modern. modern here, don't say it for me. I'm. I've got all, that's, I I've got. A, I don't, I've got all the voice I've got right here. Post-modernity, post-modern. It's no longer modern. We're in a, okay. After, after, after modern, after after modernity, after modern. Okay. Those are all classifications that belong to Enlightenment philosophers. But anyway, my point remains, though, that in post-modernity, nothing makes any sense except for the sense that you give it. All right. And see if this doesn't describe all that you're seeing in the world today. I mean, like if you, if you read anything online or if you like listen to your grandchildren talk. Oh, I look at my grandson and go, how did you get so stupid? OK, so I'm telling you. But anyway, um, he uh, but anyway, like when I listen to him or whatever. And when I read stuff or you you read what people say, like. Um, on the Roe v. Wade, some, I watched a video of some, about some women and I thought. Do you, can you hear yourself? Do you hear what you're saying? Okay. And then, um, and then there are other, there are other, you know, issues, but that was just recently I was, I showed the video to Bill yesterday. Can you believe this? How stupid can you be? You know, these people are like, okay, they're proud. And um, anyway, I, you know, um, I look at it and I, when they, when all the decisions have to do with what works best for me, there's no past, there's no future. There's only me and what I want and what I need. And it doesn't matter. Um, a friend said to me recently something about we were discussing. He was talking about his his grandkids. We were talking about grandkids because they were really a pain in the neck. And he said um, and he said, yeah, I asked mine something about, well, don't you think you ought to consider what other people think? And he, she said, no, I don't. This is how I feel. That's it. Because, you know, every 18 year old is so brilliant. OK. And, um, you know, they're just going to go off and do whatever they want to do. Here we go. Without any sense, without any knowledge, without any, because that's the world we live in. So when I say to you, that it's important for you to understand who you are in Christ. You need to understand that is in contrast to a world that doesn't know who it is at all. All right, It does not know who it is. And so if you are created, then you are created with intent and with purpose. All right? And so you want to become that person. And I want to be the person, somebody else not since I was six. And it occurred to me, I'm not going to be Cinderella, okay? But, you know, I mean, like, I want to be me as God sees. And that's who you wanna be as well. You don't get to determine who you are, God determines who you are. He formed you, he created you, he knew you, okay? The other day I made some cornbread muffins and I had in my mind what these muffins were gonna be like. And I was trying to make these muffins. And and I'll tell you, I'm pretty decent cook. I, you know, I'll be okay. And I made these muffins and they were awful, okay? So I threw them away. I did, I threw them away. When you create something, you create with intent and purpose. And those muffins didn't meet my intent, so I threw them away. Now, God doesn't throw you away, but my point is it remains the same. Everything that is created is created with intent. When we were made in the image of God, I want to read Genesis to you real quick. Where he talks about being made in his image. Let me see if I can find that particular verse real quick. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. Everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. When he makes he makes the human beings he makes them in his image and he is a creator all right and so we are to create as well and look at all that we're creating do you know what the greek word for create is technologia technology and i want you to think of the idolatry of technology that we have we have got technology and that was going to do everything for us we'll be able to communicate around the world we'll be able to understand one another we can overcome divides we can like, um, uh, communicate with, and what has it done for us in reality? What is it? we live in the most isolated generation we've ever been in. The younger people are the loneliest they've ever been. Do you, do you know that doctors think that loneliness, they're beginning to social, social doctors, you know, whatever, social studies, whatever, you know, deal with human beings. Um, anyway, have decided that loneliness is as serious for the human condition as smoking was, is, it, Yeah, that that it, it is so harmful, okay, to human beings to be isolated and alone, right, that it's as bad for the body as smoking, which is saying a lot because, you know, that is the great evil. Okay, anyway, I'm not saying you should go and smoke, but I can think of some bigger evils, let me just say. So anyway, where we are now. When we look at all this, and, I, and I'm kind of looking at the time, it's time for me to be quiet now, I guess. But anyway, I want to read some Bible verses to you real quick, because I think that we need to learn to think and understand as Christ learns to think and understand. And he tells us very clearly, or the scriptures tell us very clearly how we are to live. If we live, if anything is important in this, in this generation, in this time, it is me, myself, and I. That's it. It is the self. And we all are, in some degree, impacted by that. What is the Bible saying to me? What is the Lord conveying to me? What is what is the, how, does, how am I supposed to live my life? How, what is I, my choice next? What is my, and the gospel is really the very opposite of that. The gospel is really, it's all about Christ. This is really God's world and he is at work. And you either join into his work or you don't. All right. So he created this world and it was good. It was very good. And we create. And we have made an idol out of creation. And I know everybody gets all nervous when you start reading this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <clears throat> because you need to understand, as soon as I find it right here on this piece of paper, I'll read it to you. I think this, that we can understand our society really well if we think about this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, Paul is writing here to Rome, and he is not writing, he's talking to, he's talking about Gentiles, because he's going to talk about the law and the, and the Jews here in, this, here in a minute. But this, he's talking to the Gentiles who have come into the Jewish faith or their God-fearers or whatever. So he's writing to the church in Rome um, in the, it was probably 20 years, maybe 20 years after Jesus. Okay, 25, I mean, the community was not very old, 25 years after Jesus. So you're talking not very long ago. I used to think 25 years was a long time. I think it was last week now. I mean, you know, so anyway, but so he said, so he's talking to the people in Rome who were, the, to the church in Rome who were not Jews, okay? Because he's going to get on the Jews for obeying the law and think that they inherited everything. Lord, we are so guilty of that. Oh, I inherited the gospel. I was born that way, okay? And um, I have the gospel since I was a little bitty. And so we take Jesus kind of lightly. But um, so the Jews, that's what the Jews did. and so. Paul's going to address that, but here he's talking to the Gentiles who say they're Christian and they're believers. He said, um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In other words, when we look at creation, every time spring comes again, it is like telling the story of the resurrection. It is revealing to you who God is, right? Every time you look to the infinite, you know, the the far end of the universe, you know, as far as you can see, you are looking at, what God has created. Again, let's return to creation. He created, right? That God. You're seeing evidence of God. What is his nature? It goes on and on and on and on, right? When you look at a DNA cell, what is his his nature? He's infinitely brilliant beyond anything we can conceive. One thing. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, what they did is they opted to worship themselves or their things I went through a a, a period of time with a friend of mine where we were going to eat all, I want to say organic, natural, whatever food. That's really pricey. And I really was not that interested. So that didn't last very long. But when we go and buy in in this meat line and there was a lady there who had boxes, and this this expensive stuff. I'm like, that's expensive. And um, that's kind of why I quit. I was like, I'm not paying that much. I am paying that much now for cheap chicken. But you know. Back then, I was looking at it going, holy cow, that's expensive. But this lady had these enormous boxes of raw chicken And she, I said, she's like, I'm taking these home to my dogs. <laughs> I have a dog. I love my dog, you know, mostly. And uh, But anyway, I, I have a dog, and, and I do love it. But I'm like, no, you can eat, like, you know, Purina, okay? And um, But... This lady has all this chicken. She goes, yes, they're they're really carnivores. And so I don't cook the chicken. I just let them eat it. And they don't have any shots. They don't have anything. They stay in my yard all the time. And they're very healthy. And I'm like, go, they're freaking dogs. You know, they're dogs. Okay. I, when my my, when my dog died a few years back, I thought I was going to just curl up in a ball and die with him. I loved him. You know, you know, that's Steve Reeves, he had to come bury him. Ah! He was like, do you want to say anything? You want to pray over us? And I was like, yes, give it back. Give <laughs> it back. I want my dog back. You know, I mean, I get loving a dog. I do. But he's still a dog. You know, I mean, he's still a dog. This lady was feeding him, like, organic meat. What all Can you not see a dollar tree in that? We're going to give meat? I mean, like, like. That, can you not see idolatry in that? You we are so chained by things in the world and what we want to recover as Christians with, I'm out of time, I already talked too long, but what we want to recover with Christians is the wonder of our God. You know, if this world has done anything with all of our technology, it has made us a flat, unimaginative, enslaved society that has no, it's lost its beauty, it's lost its imagination, it's lost its creativity, you know, the most we can come up with is a fancy, you know, password that somebody else can't guess, that's as creative as you can get, congratulations, oh my god, that's kind of scary, we were talking the other day, I, I came across something I was reading, and there was a poem in there, by Yates, and I gotta tell you, I'm not really a poetry kind of gal. You know, I don't like get it. I'm like, okay, just write it, what you're gonna say. But I was reading this poem, and it was just part of it. I don't even, I don't know where it came from. It was somebody was quoting it. And I thought, that is so sweet. Oh my gosh, that is just, oh, that is so lovely. And it's so romantic. And I thought, nobody talks like that anymore, okay? And, And I thought, what have we lost and sacrificed in our pursuit of self? in our pursuit of what I want and what I need, in our absence of God, God created us with wonder. Plato and Aristotle both thought, Aristotle especially, but the beginning of of all knowledge, of all learning starts with wonder, with awe. We don't have any curiosity, we know everything, we've got it all figured out. That is a delusion, a very dangerous delusion. And here's what I know, that the gospel is true above all else. All right, and that when people go away from the gospel, again we'll talk about this more next time. But when people walk away from the gospel, they can walk into their own self destruction. And if you have not seen that in your own life, well, when we look at it, I think you'll be able to see it—that you make choices that are contrary to God, and it causes your own destruction, your own your own um, pain, your own misery. All right. And so what I would say to you is that you are looking at a world right now. We're living in a world that is so arrogant that is so overconfident, that is so brash in their, in their certainty of what is good and right, okay, and their superiority, and they are headed for a wretched fall. This friend of mine and I were talking about, again, because I'm studying kind of first century Rome, and uh, we're a lot like that, and this friend and I were talking about it, and he said, well, you know, we, and Again, I don't want to get ahead, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. You can't talk so- There's a reason I talk fast. Okay, so I can get it all in. So anyway. anyway, But he and I were talking about it, and he said, he, the point was, you cannot go back, and you cannot, you know, that we are more like the first century, and in some ways, we are a lot more like the first century. Christianity is going on the, on the margins. All right. Christianity is going to be marginalized. You're going to be, It's going to be, it's slowly being outlawed in some ways. And even if it's not, you don't want a civil religion anyway. That didn't serve us very well, okay? You're waiting on one politician after another to save you, okay? But he said to me, you can't do that, and you can't force people to be Christian. I know. I read all those comments following Roe v. Wade and all that other kind of stuff, right? But anyway, what happens, though, is that um, what I said to him is that you're not talking about Christianity versus the pantheon of gods of the first century. You're talking about Christianity or Marxism. Those are your choices this century. Okay. And you need to understand that. And I can prove all that. We got three weeks going y'all. But anyway, but my point is that you need to grasp hold of what is true, because when we crash, we're going to crash hard and it's going to be bad. All right. But it's not going to be bigger than our God. There's always going to be hope. There's always going to be life. There's always going to be love. There's always going to be promise because Christ rose and that is your God. All right. All right. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 All right. Gracious God, let us go in peace. Thanks be to God.